The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online. I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at MyHealthPolicy.com. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plan, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com. And finally, Michael. I prefer face-to-face, so I chose MyHealthPolicy.com and enrolled on the spot. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. MyHealthPolicy.com. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. This is Authentically You, social interaction for the mind and soul. And you're listening to Society Bites Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Jenner, along with Sherry, my bride. And for the next 25 minutes, we're going to talk about healing and growth from the inside out. Remember, you are 100% responsible for your happiness, joy, and well-being. So, Sherry, we finished up the seven principles And we're going to start moving into this anatomy of a conversation thing, which is huge. Well, and it's a real skill set that will help you be able to use and put into action those seven principles we talked about. Um, And we talked and mentioned about, you know, people come up to you after you lecture and a really common response. And I know this lady voiced it right in the middle of class, but it's often that people are like, okay, so how do I talk to my husband or my spouse? My husband has XYZ addiction, and he won't talk to me. He just shuts me out. And um, when the lady did it in the middle of class, you were able to really get down to where is she coming at with that. People are listening about all these wonderful things, and what are they thinking about? Oh, this spouse over here that I need to go fix. Mm-hmm. there's dissonance in their life. They're wanting healing. They're wanting help. And I, I know a lot of our listeners are in that position too, where they're listening to this because they're trying to get something that will help them with a specific situation. But it often becomes the focus onto that thing that needs to be fixed. Well, it's a hyper-focused person. on the wrong subject. It's the direction of the focus, is yeah. it not? Yeah, so we say inside out, and i said it many times, but I want to emphasize, it really is you work on you. Um, Too often when, uh, um, okay, I'll get the following type of phone calls. It's the same thing in the lectures. Um, Would you be willing to talk to us? My husband's got a problem. That was the one. My son's got a problem. Would you go ahead and work with my son? Well, I just did one recently, and the first appointment I always want to have is with mom and dad. It's not so much the son as it is the mom and dad as part of not only the solution, but how did we get there, which we don't know. It's not an automatic that it was just their fault. It's that they're in that environment that's got ourselves into this position. So with the woman, well, how do I talk to my husband? And the answer is you don't. That's not your job. So I'm going to finish up what I said a little bit last time. 
if a husband and wife come into my office, for example, and they're having marital challenges, and maybe just one of them comes at a time, they want me typically to not only fix the other person, but to say the other person is wrong, that they're the ones having the trouble, and then they want me to recommend a divorce so they can justify And if it doesn't work out, it's my fault. If it works out, it's great. And that's never the healthy way to go. First of all, in order for a husband and wife to get together again, to work it out, one, just one, has to invite the other person into safe space. Not force them, not persuade them, not manipulate them, not condescend, not tell them, but to invite them. So we've described before what safe space looks like, but how does one invite or create that safe space? And we'll start with the first tool in the toolkit, flipping. Okay. Flipping is a, a technique, a communication technique that if applied, takes you from low to no trust to increase it into higher trust. Remember, we're conditioned, right? So if you got a history, let's say I'm a dad, if I have a history of being mean to my son and all of a sudden I'm nice, oh, here's a better story. <laughs> it happened with the cops. I was dealing with one of the cops and I said, we're going to practice flipping. We taught him flipping. And then the instructions was to go home that night and practice, first pay attention. Just listen to people's conversations and then report back what you heard. Did you hear agreement seeking? Did you hear affirmation, affection, approval? And did you hear sarcasm relating? So I gave them things to listen for, right? Rules of engagement. Mm -hmm. And then I said, have three flippin' conversations. Okay, so let's break down for our listeners oh, yeah, what this acronym flippin' means. So we're looking at the letters. F stands for frequent. L means low risk. So frequent conversations that are low, low risk. risk. So like subject what, matters, low risk. Why you flunked your math test is or whatever not is not low, low risk. risk. Right. But what's your favorite video game would be low risk. Yep. Okay. Um, P personal so about about them. them not yourself right p again positive make it positive just feel positive and be positive in that conversation and n also neutral now some people will say well how can you be positive and neutral neutral is in a tone of voice in a way of being um not being judgmental not being overreactive you know, or fakey positive. Well, let me go into positive a little like bit more it. with neutral. Okay. You can be positive by keeping it on them. Right. You can be positive by not allowing the vent, by the loop. So, so many times that we get in these conversations and we're, we're not communicating. We're not listening. We're being spoken at. And this is where husbands oftentimes go into the grunt mode. Uh, uh, <laughs> Oh, that's uh, the one where he shuts me out. Uh, he won't talk yeah, to me. Yeah, because you're looping on him or you're venting on him and they don't know how to handle it. And they and literally, I've had him sit in front of me and the guy will look at me and goes, well, I'm listening to her, Dr. Emmer. I'm not arguing with her. I'm just letting her talk. She went for 45 minutes. I can't take 45 minutes every time I walk in the door of her going at me. And she wants my time. She wants my attention. So I sit there and listen to her. And, and I said, well, what do you say? Nothing. That's my point. How can she be angry at me when I'm not talking? So one, he's missing the point. And two, she's getting her three A's. And remember, three A's are insatiable. 
It could be she's two trying hours. to get her three eggs. It could be two hours and 45 minutes, and he'll never say a word, and she'll talk the entire time. So I had a client yesterday who said, yeah, we'll get in the car, and my husband will just start talking. And 30 minutes later, I'll say, can, can you just be quiet now? This is the, the person telling me. Can you just be quiet now? You've been talking since we got in about everything and about nothing. Have you ever met those people who can say a million words but not say any, or talk forever and not say anything? All right. Okay. Flip it. So how does and that connects to keeping it positive and neutral, positive about them in that direction? And neutral in the fact that an effective listener is an effective questioner by asking good questions. So we've already talked about connect and redirect on multiple occasions. Mm -hmm. So asking questions such as that sounds like that was pretty hard. So here's, this is a tool called conversation inventory. There's an elephant in the room right now. You're hurting. That's the elephant. Well, in those eight things that we did in the last time where we discounted them, right? Remember mm -hmm. you came in mm -hmm. and you told me your story. Yeah, my story about my boss and yeah. how I messed up at work and really got chewed out. The elephant is that you're hurting. A bigger elephant is that I've swept it underneath the rug. Right. Or right. I, I, I played the couch psychologist. Or I said, boy, yeah, your boss has probably got it rough. And I took the sides, sides with the boss. That's not an elephant. Well, that's a survival tool. A flippant conversation would be the antithesis of that. Conversation inventory always starts with it seems that, it feels like, it looks like, it, those kinds of things. So you're bringing up a question as you're trying to discern what the elephant is. Okay, so let's get back to the story about the cops with flipping. Now that we understand the F-L-P-P-N and what those mean. And I instructed them specifically, do not try this on your spouse. Why? Because they're conditioned to have a different kind of conversation. So it takes more new experiences for it to actually become a positive. And sometimes when somebody throws out a new experience, not only do they not see it, it can be invisible, it could be reactive. But they don't have neutrality down yet. Oh, it's hard. So you're saying it's harder to be neutral with somebody that you're intimate with. Right. I mean, not physical intimate, but like you are tied. If your spouse, I haven't met you before and I just meet you on the airplane or standing in line at Costco Yeah, or I have whatever, no other frame of reference. And it's I started asking you those neutral questions or what I perceive neutral questions. You're going to think this is just his MO. Right. But if I've been married to you for 20 years... And I'm a hot-blooded uh, Italian lady, and I am very fluid with my expletives that because that was his wife. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, I tried this on my wife. And she didn't know what to do with it. She cussed me out and said, if you ever do that again, I'll kick you out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> because she didn't know what to do with it yet. She so. had no idea. And I'm, I'm suggesting <laughs> there's no way. He knew what he was doing yet. This is the first time he ever so, tried it. Dr. Hammer, this is kind of confusing, though. You're giving us these great tools, but then you're saying, don't go run home and try this on your wife. What, what's the advice here? First, practice it in your mind's eye. Okay. So you know how your wife will respond. So if I were to hold a conversation with you, Sherry, I can predict basically how you're going to respond. I have a few years under my belt. So the same thing with anyone who's around someone a lot. If all of a sudden you do a game change that moment, it will be so abrupt without them knowing at all that it will be hard for them to accept it. And if it's not neutral, they're going to get angry. They'll escalate. And that's what happened. He thought he was neutral, but it really wasn't. He was trying to be something so dramatically different than he was at that moment. 
start when I first learned uh, and the TRC, if you remember that, and we'll talk mm-hmm. about it later. Mm-hmm. Um, I really didn't do it with you first. Tr- I was doing it with others. TRC is being a trust and respect conversation. Yeah. A conversation to build trust and respect. It's permission interviewing is really what it is. Um, but then when I finally tried it on you, I told you I was going to try it to see if I could you gave even, me a warning. even remain neutral because it was very challenging. And you know what else I liked about that experience is that you would so how did that feel? Did I do that neutrally? You asked for my feedback on your progression in that right. tool. And it wasn't like I was going to like evaluate you. But you wanted to know from a listener aspect, what did that feel like? This is a great story. So I'm going to go ahead and tell it, even though it's a bit of a sidebar. So this had, I don't know how long ago this was, but I can picture what car we were driving. So we were heading down to Utah to visit family. Um, and we were listening to a tape on this one. We were, I was studying it, right? And I said, Sherry, I've been practicing this one. Is it okay if I try a 15-minute conversation with you on those techniques? And you said, yeah, that'd be fine. And I said, I want to talk to you about your family. And I remember your eyes getting big. And you looked at me and you said, okay, now why would your eyes get big back in those days? Well, because my family was often a trigger for you. Um, We came from some aspects of our family had some congruency, but for the most part, no, there was big differences in our, in our family of origins and, um, and so I know that difference was hard for you. I was the baby. You had assumed the baby role in my family. You were the oldest in your family. I got to assume the throne in your family. So it was, you know, there was a big fundamental contrast just in our experiences. And I knew that was often a trigger for you. So I was always like, whoa, if I even, you know, I have to be careful. I have to tread lightly when yeah. we deal with my family. So I wanted to practice it because I knew that neutrality was foreign space for our conversations when it came to your family. And, and in fairness to the story, I wasn't very neutral in a lot of areas because of, you know, of, of how I was hurting. So what I did here is I said, Sherry, I want to try this, this idea on you. And it was somewhat of a flippant conversation. It just, it wasn't frequent. It was all at once. I said, I'm going to try to be neutral. Okay. So let me just put you on pause for that moment. If someone's listening to these skills and they want to try them out, should they warn their spouse when they try it with their spouse the first time? Is that what you're coming at? I would teach the principle first because you already knew what I was trying to do. I want to be learn how to be neutral with you, and it's this is me doing it. In other words, you notice I'm not coming to you to fix you. So go back to the lady's question. How do I tell my husband? Mm-hmm. Well, you don't tell your husband that he's broken because that's going to go a long way, right. sarcasm sarcastically said so you could come back with more like i learned some amazing things that i'm working on myself could i get some feedback on how i'm trying to make changes about me right and that's where you were at with in this car right right uh, road trip to utah i tried it on that taxi driver remember that mm, i where yeah. we got pulled over in the middle of me trying that and i was just sweating profusely i was so nervous to, to try this new technique on a guy whose second language was english not first language and I tried it multiple. I've been doing it for months. And I told you I'm doing this, but I never really told you more than that. Well, in this particular case, we were in a car driving. We had hours to go. And I said, I want to try this because it's new to me. And I'm tired of being judgmental of your family because it's driving a wedge in our family, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm starting to remember some of those feelings in that car right now. 
Like I was at first nervous, like, where is this going to go? You had reason to be nervous. Mm -hmm. And so I started down the road, right? We talked about your mother, your father, your sisters, your brother, different dynamics. It was designed to be a 15-minute conversation at max, and then we would debrief. It went for over 45 minutes. We had to go to the restroom. We pulled over to a, a rest stop. And as we pulled in, I said, okay, could we just debrief real quick? What was that like for you? Do you remember what you said? Because I remember what I felt and what I think you said. I can't remember what I said in that moment. But I kind of remember I started out feeling very nervous. And I definitely felt like, oh, my goodness, we can have real honest conversations. And that you were actually listening to me rather than reacting to me, which is what happened in the past. That was my norm. Yeah. Like, I started to really believe that we could talk about family issues, meaning extended family issues, and that you would listen. Okay, so this is what I remember. So what I first remember is getting lost in the experience. It happened very quick, within minutes. It, 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 we lost that role-playing mode. Uh-huh, we and all, it got real. Yeah. It got very real. Uh, I, was, I had practiced it. Keep in mind, this wasn't my first rodeo when trying this, but I had never done it really with you. No, it was your first time with me. Yeah. So, yes, there had been some buildup to be able to come to the marriage with a new skill set. Right. And so what I remember is immediately, I remember the feeling I had. Cognitively, I wasn't aware that we had got into it so quick, so fast, and that it became real, very authentic, very raw. Um, because in order for this to work, keep in mind that I had to make it personal, positive, and neutral. I couldn't interject any feelings that I had. But that's my MO. Every time you would say something about a family member, I would have a judgment mm-hmm. or some sort of mm-hmm. anger issue, right? Or comment, yep. So I would then escalate emotionally. So my energy was very resistant instead of in acceptance. Right. So rule of first rule is in a flippin' is you're neutral. It's not, it has nothing to do with your feelings, your emotions, or your judgments. And I think it's hard sometimes to think about con- changing that continuum in a conversation because we're so um, trained and conditioned that we have to give a response and we have to give an opinion, which and is one of those Silence first, is bad. And that silence is bad. Now you have to fill the space. No, just shut up. Because I know you would say stuff and there, I didn't always have a, a good question. I had to be quiet. I just listen, I would think, and then I would ask the next question based upon the previous answer. Mm-hmm. But the point being is that I couldn't give you any kind of judgment. And so pretty soon I got into that habit. Could, could, you, could you bring back like one of those questions so that you can show how you format the next question based off an answer? You were, um, and one of the, the question, the veins that we were going was about your oldest sister, Janine. We were talking about her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when we were talking about her, my MO was to escalate, right? And in this particular case, I remember because I was practicing being neutral, this is the feeling I remember having, when you gave an answer about her, instead of looking at her in my normal way of being angry and frustrated because of my perceptions, I remember thinking, oh, okay, I can see what she's doing. And I remember just asking a question that came off and I was surprised how neutral it came off that was less offensive or no not offensive at all and then you started feeding me information that you had never given me before because up until then it was probably not safe for you to even give it 
And I can't remember anything specific other than her and being neutral when I was talking about her. So you came back with questions like, how did that feel like? What was that like for you? you had, that mean for you? What or... do you think she was doing or what do you think that was like for her? Right. Why was that important? Was it about... Was I talking about like things Janine had done for me when I was little and why yeah. that, because we have a, a pretty strong bond and yeah, we were I think going it had to, to do with like, I remember Janine sewing clothes for me and what that emo- meant to me emotionally yeah. that she cared enough to make things for me. And keep in mind, I was never willing to even accept that. She and so was... there, were, there were pieces of story you had never mm-hmm. heard or to even understand why we had a deep bond as sisters. And, um, yeah, I, I'm, that's all coming back now. But the power of being able to ask those neutral questions is just amazing. And they can be used anywhere, not even in just in a marriage. or. So a I want to bring this to conclusion as to what happened. But I want to insert the rules of engagement in the middle. So what I ended up doing, and this was not cognitive now because I had been practicing this, was I had implemented my own rules of engagement probably for the first time with you in our marriage. So I have two rules. The person I'm talking to has to feel safe, and the person I'm talking to has to feel felt. To feel safe, you have to be free from. And I'm just going to do a couple of them. Criticism, sarcasm, and judging. Isn't that bizarre that for how many years that we'd been married at the time, you had never had a conversation with your husband free from criticism, sarcasm, and judging? When it came to my family. And I'm going to insert this right now. Had I known what was needed to grieve the loss of my parents, that you were so instrumental for me to be able to process clearly and fluidly the loss of my parents in a matter of, you know, losing them within three years of each other, that we had already come to this safe place and be able to talk about my family, that I could work so harmoniously with my siblings at the loss of my my mom, who was the last to go right. in resolving, you know, issues of estates and things like that. When I hear other families and the turmoil they go through, there was none of that. And then I could process all that so quickly with you was because you had changed what was negative space into very trusted and positive space when it was high stakes, like losing parents. Mm. So that That's was right. a gift that you built into our marriage. And I thank you for that. Yeah, that's very kind of you. Thanks. I'd forgotten about that. No, but it means a lot. Now that I look back retrospectively over where I've been and what I've been able to do with my siblings and go through that, I I attribute that a lot to you, what you did that day in the car. Well, in that moment when we were doing this, as I was learning to refrain from sarcasm and judging and criticism, you then, for the first time on that topic, had the ability to be authentic. You had the ability to explain reality without fear of me judging, being sarcastic or critical. That's a, that was new space for both of us yeah. to go through that. And it was very unique. You also felt, felt, that's my take. Oh, I did. Because it was probably... About things that really did matter, that it, things I felt I had a closet away from you because I knew you might be triggered. No, because I was being triggered. Well, here, this is how I remember it ending. As we pulled in, you looked at me and you got teary-eyed. And when I said, Sherry, how did that go for you? And you said, this is the first time I've been able to talk to you about my family and feel safe. Now, that meant two things to me. One, I did a really good job. But two, I've been an asshole up until then. (laughs) (laughs) 
I still loved you. That, that hurt. <laughs> that hurt a lot. And in that moment, you see, when we first got married, remember, I always thought that it was um, my in-laws that had the problem and not your in-laws. <laughs> when I started realizing that the problem had nothing to do with either of our in-laws, it had to do with me, that the change agent was Richard Himmer, that he was the one that needed to change. The healing started. Your, um, my, my attempt to invite you into my space was miraculous, to say the least. And where we've gone on that topic to the point in two days, I'm going on an Alaska cruise with those in-laws. Right. And Joyce. Nobody can believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, a cruise, great. But for me to really see that, that foundation of trust that you built at that moment in regards to extended family really helped when it came time to losing parents. Right. You just don't know the gift. Like that simple thing, removing the criticism, removing the sarcasm, removing the judging, and replacing it with understanding me, yeah. going to seeking my understanding. Simple. It sounds simple. It was a gift that went forward through a grieving process. Powerful. And that's our takeaway. I'm going to emphasize it one more time as we sign off. You want things to go better in your life, focus on yourself. Yeah. Stop worrying about you have the maladaptive no, behavior. You have no else. idea the gifts that you're creating for others when you focus on yourself. That's my takeaway today. And my my ability to be a complete jerk for the first 10 years of our marriage or longer, I think it was, um, was perfect. It's exactly what we needed to put into context the healing process when you did lose your parents and that we were able to go through that and now to have such acceptance with them and to feel comfortable enough to spend uh, eight days on an Alaska cruise with them. I'm really excited. Um, I can't wait to go there. And uh, at that, we're going to end this segment. Um, We appreciate you listening. If you want to reach out to us, please do so at drhdrh at himmercenter.com. Listen to us on Society Bites Radio and tell your friends. This is a lot of fun. We're hoping that we're able to share some reality, authenticity with you moving forward to create a, a greater sense of happiness, joy, and well-being now in your life. And we look forward to seeing you in the next segment. Bye my head. I try to turn it down, but I can't quite drown it out. I'm tortured every day. These never-ending worries falling on my sleeve. So many times now I was The Medicare annual election period deadline is almost here. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who started their search for coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online, so he started at MyHealthPolicy.com. I took my time and found the coverage I was looking for, and done. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plans, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com and done. Switch to a better plan. And Michael. I met with a local licensed insurance agent face-to-face and done. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to compare top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call.
The Medicare annual election period deadline is almost here. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who started their search for coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online, so he started at MyHealthPolicy.com. I took my time and found the coverage I was looking for, and done. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plans, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com and done. Switched to a better plan. And Michael. I met with a local licensed insurance agent face-to-face -face and done. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to compare top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call.